0: Well, it's finally here, guys. We've been waiting for all this time for Christmas to get here so we can celebrate, and it is finally here. There's a lot of kids in here today, and I know you guys have been waiting even longer, it feels like. And so we've been doing this whole seasons thing this year for our Advent Sermon Series. We've been talking about a, it's a season for waiting, and some of us, the waiting is so long. We don't like to wait, but that's a part of it, slowing down, stopping. Really making sure we don't miss it. And then we talked about it being a season for reflecting, to, to really remind ourselves of the goodness and faithfulness of God. And uh, it's also a season for teaching where we take advantage of this season. We take advantage of the, the story, this amazing true story. and grab traditions and all these different kinds of tools and resources so we can make sure we're teaching the next generation. And then last week, Nick talked about a season for reorienting, but re- retuning our hearts because we drift away and we get out of tune with the father and his heart. And so we, we use this season to bring us back. And so all that has been kind of preparing us and leading us to this night where it's a season for Celebrating. And we love to celebrate. Like, we're, we're just people that are wired to celebrate. We, we want to celebrate things. And, and one of the reasons is celebration kind of breaks the routine our normal lives, and then all of a sudden there's a, there's a party. There's a birthday party, or there's a graduation party, or there's some reason to celebrate. There's a, there's a wedding. My family, we just had a, a wedding. My oldest got married on Sunday, and we had this huge celebration. It was this fun time to, to, to really just party and celebrate. It breaks the routine. And, and God made us that way. God made us to, to celebrate, to be wired to celebrate in that way. In fact, C.S. Lewis and his the Narnia story says one of the curses, the main curse in Narnia was always winter and never what? Never Christmas. The monotony, the, the, the every single day, winter, snow, all the stuff, like that stuff gets old. We all know that now, right? Like this, it's fun for a day and then it's like it needs to go ahead and get on out of there. But there's always winter without the celebration, without the Christmas, without the party to look forward to. God has kind of wired us to be people that celebrate. We need, we, we, you know, we want to celebrate. We need to celebrate. And the, the cool thing about it is if you think about us as people, we don't even really need a good reason to celebrate most of the time. Like, we just make up reasons to celebrate. If You, if you don't have to do too much uh, research or travel too much to figure out that there are people that are celebrating for all kinds of reasons all over the world. Uh, in just a couple of weeks, a week or so, I guess, a little bit more than a week, January 3rd, in a city in Colorado, they have the fruitcake toss day. They all gather together, like hundreds of people, they gather together, they built catapults, they put the fruitcake in, and the winner is the one who can toss it the furthest away from yourself. Fruitcake toss day, which seems like about the best use for a fruitcake, in my opinion, but like, let me toss that thing, and it's like, let's just... I know, we need to celebrate. We just had a couple of holidays, let's have another one. Fruitcake Toss Day, it's kind of crazy. In um, Wisconsin in July, every year they have Shrek Fest. After the movie, Shrek. They just get together because they love Shrek. They dress up like Shrek, they all dress up like ogres, and they celebrate what, let's be honest, one of the greatest movies of our time, Shrek they celebrate that, they get together, it started with like 50 people, it's now grown to over 300 people because we don't really need a reason to celebrate. We just like, let's, let's just throw a party for some reason, let's get everybody together, and Shrek seems like a good enough reason for them. One of the ones that's really close to home for me because it's, it, it takes place every summer in a town called Clute, Texas, which is really close to where I grew up in Angleton, Texas, home of the Wildcats, purple and white, fight, fight, fight. And in Clute, every summer, they have something, this is legit, three-day festival called the Great Texas Mosquito Festival. Only on the Gulf Coast where they celebrate the mosquito. And they do. like it's, it's pretty bizarre. They have all kinds of mosquito stuff. They have all kinds of things to do with mosquitoes. And when I was growing up, I actually went to this thing. Uh, it seemed like a lot of fun. And they had, a, they, they had a beauty pageant as a part of it. And the, the girl who won the beauty pageant was, was named... Miss Quito, for the year. (laughs) So, so much honor there. Yeah, well in high school I was mosquito, so I got that going for me, which is nice. So like, that really happens. Nowadays they don't have a beauty pageant, I was looking it up because I missed the great Texas Mosquito Festival. Now they have the Mosquito Leg Judging Contest. So if your legs look like that, a mosquito, you can get in that contest and maybe win that one. We don't really need a reason to celebrate. We will make up reasons to celebrate. But here it is, Christmas. And man, Christmas gives us so many reasons to celebrate. I mean, this story, like Ryan was praying a while ago, this amazing true story is a reason to celebrate all the waiting, all the reflecting, all the teaching, all the reorienting. It leads to this point where we, we celebrate that our Savior was born. Like Jesus came to this earth. God in the flesh, he came to save us, to rescue us. And there's so many reasons to celebrate. We could talk about them for, for so many so, so long and in a lot of different ways, but in just this story that Libby read, the story of the angels showing up and making this birth announcement to these shepherds, you can see so many reasons for our celebration. It's a season for celebrating because God is with us. It's a season for us to celebrate because God is is with us. God has come to be with us. That's what Emmanuel means. And so many of the Christmas songs have the word Emmanuel, the title Emmanuel, because it means literally God with us. And in Christmas, this story is this picture of God taking on flesh, being born in that stable, like becoming one of us because he was coming to be with us. That's a reason to celebrate. But if you look at this story, what you see in verse 9, the angel shows up, uh, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. What you see is this picture that it's almost like God was pulling the veil back a little bit so you could see reality. Most of the time we're not seeing a full reality in this world. Like we're just we're just going through, we see what we see, we we know what we know, we we try to understand what we understand, but but it's almost like in this moment on that hillside out with those shepherds, God pulled back the veil and his glory shone through. Like his glory filled that hillside. And it was easy to see the reality that God is always with us. The Christmas story is. A reminder that, yes, Jesus came in a specific way, took on flesh, lived among us, walked among us, lived a perfect life, took our place on the cross. All that is a very strategic part of God's plan from before the foundation of the world, but it's also a reminder that, hey, God's always with us. He's not distant, He's not removed, He's not distracted. He's not looking the other way. God is with us. That is one of the promises that Christmas makes to us, that God has come to be with us, and he's with us, and he's at work in every situation, in every circumstance, in all of our life. God is with us. It's a season for celebrating because God is with us. It's also a season for celebrating because God is good. I mean, it'd be be one thing to say God is with us, but if you don't know if he's good or bad, if he's come to kill us or destroy us, well, like, then it's not that great. But when you realize that God is with us and God is good, then the celebration follows. And Christmas shows us that God is good. And, and it's interesting how it shows us because when the angel shows up, everybody was afraid. Like they were filled with great fear. And, and almost every time you see in the scriptures an angel show up, you see people afraid. Because when you, when you see the glory of God, when you, when, you, when you have a glimpse even of the holiness and the glory of God and this messenger that came from his presence, it fills you with fear, it fills you with awe. And, and part of it is this understanding that, man, that is holy and I am not. And so when we see that, you, you don't have this inclination, well, I, I'm going to run over there and sit in his lap. No, we have an inclination to run away, to hide, In reality that all of us have. All of us have run away from God. All of us have hidden from him. All of us have turned our backs on him. And God is so good that even though we avoid him, even though we run away from him, God is chasing us. God is pursuing us. God is coming to us. Christmas reminds us that God is good. And and we see a picture of the, the angels and we see kind of their joy as they get to show up. Like, Look at verse 10. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you, what, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy. Not just good news, not just good news of joy, but good news of great joy. This angel, you can almost kind of sense that he's like, I can't believe I get to share this good news. It's good news of great joy as he makes this announcement, as he, make, as he heralds this news. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And what what you see is the angel then goes to begin to praise and begin to glorify God. In verse 14, and a whole host or thousands of angels join him on that hillside. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And you see the joy of the angels and you know that the joy of the angels is showing us a reflection of how good God is. These, these beings, these messengers that are in his presence, in God's presence, and they go back and forth as messengers, they come with joy. They come with good news. And it's just this picture. It's just this glimpse that our God is good. And sometimes we get sidetracked with that. Sometimes we forget. He doesn't do what we expected him to do, or he doesn't do what we wanted him to do, or he doesn't answer as soon as we want him to answer. And we start to doubt and wonder, is God really good? Is he really for us? And then Christmas comes along. And the story just puts it right back in front of our face. Oh, yes, he's good. Our God is good. Psalm 1611 says this. The psalmist says, You, God, make known to me the path of life. And in your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence... Is fullness of joy. God is good, and these angels experience that presence and they experience that fullness of joy. And God is on a mission to share that joy with us. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. But even in all that, it's just a taste. I mean, the angel shows up, the glory of the Lord shines. The the host of angels come and they proclaim it, and then right after that, they're gone. It goes back to darkness, it goes back to starry night. It's just a glimpse. It's just, it's just a taste. Now, I know that some of you guys love Costco. In fact, one of our community groups really loves Costco. That's another story. Um, the greatest thing about Costco, right, is not just that you can get more than enough for you and a small army of everything. It's, it's the samples. I mean, the samples are what makes the trip to Costco worth it. And you go through and like, it doesn't matter if you're hungry, it doesn't matter if you just ate, it doesn't matter. Like, they're giving out free food and I'm gonna taste it. I'm gonna see what they have. And I have, I have, a, I have my own Costco tray of samples. And I have these things right here. I, I'm sad to admit that my wife and I bought these things on more than one occasion because of the samples at Costco. These are veggie straws. Do <laughs> you know what the, you, you, you know about the veggie straws? This is a dirty trick, Costco. Somehow, when you're in Costco and they're handing out veggie straws, and you're like, okay, I'll try it, I gotta try it. You try it, and you're like, it's pretty good. I like veggie straws. This will be a healthy alternative to chips that, you know, are actually good. Until you buy a bag that's way too big for your family, and you bring it home, and the next day you're like, let's have veggie straws, and you eat one of these, and you're like, this is horrible. (laughs) It's a rotten trick. And sometimes those samples at Costco are like that. And I got some veggie straws if you want one of those later. You can have them all. But I also have some little pieces of cheesecake. Man, that's when you know you went to Costco on the right day. (laughs) They're giving out the little cheesecake samples. And that little taste of heaven right there. Now, you eat that and you're like, where are these cheesecakes? How many do you have? You buy them and you take them home and you put them in the freezer and you're like, I'm going to have a whole cheesecake. I'm going to get a whole cheesecake in my belly later. That's what I'm going to do after I have one of these samples. And you get that cheesecake home, guys, and it is even better than it was when you had the sample. And that, that Christmas story is just a taste of his goodness. It's just a picture of that. Now here's the problem with this whole thing, just so everybody's tracking with me. <laughs> the world is always offering us a bunch of things, and it says this is what we need for pleasure. This is what will satisfy us. This is the path you want to be on. And those, man, it's always a trick. If it's apart from God's plan for us, it's always a trick, and it never, ever satisfies it. You take that bite, and you're like, oh, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And then you run that, that direction, and you chase it, and it'll never really satisfy you. But God did not have any tricks. And the Christmas story is just this, this sample of how good he is. Just a picture, a story to remind us that he is good and he's always good and he has our good in his heart. And it's a sample that's telling you that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. God is good. And it's good to follow him and it's good to worship him and it's good to celebrate because he's good. But the best isn't even here yet. The best is yet to come. And and I say that because I know that Christmas is not always a celebration for everyone. Christmas can be a time of sorrow for some of us. There's some of us that have lost loved ones this year. And Christmas brings back those memories in a very, very tangible way. Some of the lost loved ones that are part of our body this year, and we've all experienced that loss. And there's something about the Christmas time that just like puts that in front of us in a way and makes it a little bit more difficult and challenging. And maybe, maybe what we all need to hear is that God is good and the best is yet to come. As Christmas reminds us of that. This is not our home. This is not all that we have to look forward to. We have an all eternity in his presence and in the presence of God. His fullness of joy because he's good. And this is not there, all there is. The best is truly yet to come. And because of that, we can celebrate. Even in the sorrow, even in the moments of pain, we can still celebrate because we know he's good. He really, really is good. It's a season for celebrating because God is with us. It's a season for celebrating because God is good. And it's a season for celebrating because God came to save us. That's verse 11. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. When God looked at us, he, he didn't send us a program. He didn't send us a strategy. He didn't send us some steps to follow, some instructions. He didn't send us someone to be an example or just a good teacher. He sent a Savior, and that's worth celebrating. Now, I need to tell you that I have good news and bad news for you today. Good news and bad news. What do you want first? You want the bad news because you're, you're normal, good, good. People, you have a good head on your shoulders. There's two types of people in the world. When you say good news or bad news, what you want first? People that say I want the bad news first—that's the right answer. People that say I want the good news first; those are the psychos, right? So, you don't ever want to—you don't ever want the good news first, because then the bad news is going to take take it all away. And you say, "Yeah, give me the good news first. Well, what are you thinking? That after the good news, bad news is coming. You guys know this is true. Don't look at me like I'm crazy right now. You know this is true. Like, there, there's, the guy, there's a story about the guy who, uh, he was old, and his friend was, his friend was dying, and, and, and he told his friend, hey, you know how much we love baseball. If there's any way when you die, if you can come back and tell me if there's baseball in heaven, I really, really want to know that. It's like, okay, I'll try. His friend died. The next day, this guy woke up, and he heard his friend's voice. His friend said, I got good news and bad news. What do you want? He goes, Give me the good news. He said, There's baseball in heaven. It's awesome. It's amazing. Okay, what's the bad news? You're starting at shortstop tomorrow. (laughs) You don't want the bad news? to be after the good news. You want the bad news and then get it out of the way and then the good news, like you just don't want that. We, we need to think about that sometimes. Like the, the, the doctor comes in and says, I got good news and bad news. You don't say I want the good news first. Because you say you want the good news first, he's like, you're gonna be famous. Okay, what's the bad news? They're gonna name a disease after you. That's not, that's not, that's not how you want this to go down. You ever had that LASIK surgery? And you're recovering, and you can't see anything, and they got those glasses on you, and the doctor comes in. You got good news and bad news. Give me the good news. Why would you say that? Don't ask for the good news. Okay, well, the good news is you're about to get a new dog. I'm going to wait for everybody. It's making around. It's coming. It's coming back around. Hey, kids, I got good news and bad news. Kids are like, I want the good news first because you haven't taught them right. Okay, good news is I found a present that I forgot to give you last year. I hid it away in the attic and I forgot all about it, but I just found it. That's the good news. What's the bad news? It was a puppy. (laughs) I can't believe he did that one. I can't believe he went there. That's ridiculous. So the Christmas story is good news and bad news. But you don't want the good news first. You want the bad news first. And listen carefully. The bad news is that you and I had a problem and we couldn't solve it. The Christmas story tells us that there was a problem with you and with me, with all of mankind, and we could not solve it on our own. And the problem was that we had sinned against a holy God. And don't get tripped up over the word sin. It just means that we turned our backs on God and said we didn't need Him and we acted like it. And because of that sin, we separated ourselves from a holy God. We removed ourselves from having a chance of a relationship with him. We kind of declared war against him. The Bible says we're his enemies. And we've made this mess, and we can't fix it. There's nothing, absolutely nothing that you and I can do to make it right. That's the bad news. But the good news is that on that night, God sent us a Savior. He sent us a rescuer. That Jesus came to this earth, took on flesh, was born in that stable, and then he lived this perfect sinless life because we needed someone to live perfectly and give us their righteousness. And he's the only one that could do that. He did that for us. And then he came to the end of his life, he, he took his... His place on the cross, and it was really our place on the cross. He, he died on the cross in our place. He was our substitute. He, he experienced the punishment that we should have experienced for our sin. He paid the penalty that we should have had to pay for our sin. We couldn't fix it, and God was the only one who could, and He came. Jesus came to rescue us. He is the only solution for our problem. And when you understand that, and that's what the Christmas story is like. It's starting to unveil God's plan that was before the foundation of the world, but we start to see it in the Christmas story. Then all of a sudden, this becomes a reason for celebrating. Because we needed a Savior, we needed a rescue. And God provided the Savior and the rescue in the person of His Son. And when it says in verse 11 that this Savior is born, And it will be for all the people in verse 10. I just want you to remember that this announcement came to shepherds. Who were the outcasts in society. No one one cared about shepherds. In the New Testament you see a lot of times the Bible will talk about uh, the tax collectors and sinners. Sinners was kind of a broad category for the worst. And shepherds would have been in that category. No one, no one worried about or cared or esteemed shepherds in any way at this time in this part of the world and that culture. That's who God made his birth announcement to. The Savior of the world is born and the first people to hear about it are the, the shepherds, the lowly shepherds. And it's a reminder that this Savior is for all of us. He's for you and for me. It doesn't matter how far you've run away. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up. And it doesn't matter how hard you've tried to be good. We all need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior for all of us. That's a reason to celebrate. It's a season for celebrating because God will be glorified. That's what the angels, when they all got together, that's what they said or they proclaimed or they sang. Verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And in every part of the story, you see people responding to this news with praise, with worship, glorifying God. The angels are glorifying God. The shepherds hear this. They go into Bethlehem. They see the baby. They tell Mary the story. They leave the stable. They come back to their sheep, and they're praising and glorifying God. There's Mary listening to the story, marveling at it all, pondering it, wondering in her heart about all these things because she's meditating on the goodness of God and the glory of God that's being displayed right in front of her. There's old Simeon and Anna the prophetess in the temple who see baby Jesus, and they're worshiping and praising proclaiming the glory of God. And then there's these magi that see a star and come and make like a two-year journey and come and see the baby. And it says they rejoiced with exceeding joy. Man, Christmas is a celebration because God is glorified. And God will be glorified. He's on on a mission to be glorified and nothing throws that mission off. Nothing hinders that plan. Nothing in the last two years has made any dents And God's plan to be glorified in all the earth. And so we can celebrate because God will be glorified. And our celebration is worship. That's the response of all these people when they saw the news, when they heard the news, when it was proclaimed, when they saw the baby Jesus. They responded with worship. And our celebration, all that's been building to, is to worship Him, to worship Him with our lives. Christmas is a season for celebrating. It's a season to worship the God who rescued us when there was no hope for us any other way.